You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. These stories follow the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. The Sprogan. They had begun the day's journey on a long stretch of road between the towns of Vicant and Starksbow. Settlements were more sparse out here in the lands nearer to the Great Weald, and they had encountered few other wayfarers on this route. They were a day's travel from Starksbow, but were making good time as they passed through those misty wooded hills. The road bore occasional evidence of civilization, a signpost here or a small wayside shrine there. Still, there was an air of wildness about the place that suffused the surrounding lands. They followed the border between those known places where folk dwelled and the vast, forested tracts which unfolded as far as the eye could see. Unfathomable miles of untamed country. Negwin and Gwarth, Alyssa's guards, rode on horseback ahead of the wagon, which was driven by Netcher, a diminutive and capable Clericon coachman. Queen Alyssa and her advisor Durkey sat in the enclosed coach. Durkey gazed at a large map, and sporadically he scribbled notes on a pad with a stylus. Alyssa was reviewing correspondences she had recently picked up in Vicant, making arrangements for further visits over the course of their journey. The mood was studious and quiet within the carriage. Every few minutes, Durkey cleared his throat, with a restraint one might reserve for a library visit. From time to time, little utterances came from Alyssa as she found the content of the letters she read agreeable or not. This backdrop of introspective silence extended beyond the carriage. Riding through a light fog, surrounded by lush vegetation and mossy trees, the guards found their transit to be a kind of calm meditation. The rhythm of wagon wheels over the pebbled ground and occasional trilling of birdsong were the only sounds to be heard. They traveled like this for a good while, each of them in the privacy of a shared silence. It was a long while before Netcher, who sat atop the coach, felt a prickling on the back of his neck. He had heard no sound to draw his attention, yet he had the feeling that someone was watching him. Slowly, he turned his head around and regarded the form of a small, impish man sitting on the far end of the wagon. Hello, said the man. Netcher was certainly surprised, but the casual bearing of the little stranger was such that he seemed to belong there. So astonished was the clericon that he did not think to halt the horses and stop the carriage. Negwin and Gwarth had turned around in their saddles, suddenly aware of this interloper. Where are we headed, then? He stood perhaps as tall as a toddler, though he was not standing. He sat in a relaxed posture, reclining on one elbow, his little legs dangling over the side of the wagon's roof. 
He had a big head, and from it sprouted a pointed nose of impressive proportions. Two large, mischievous eyes regarded Netcher and the guards, who all looked incredulously in his direction. He wore a matching woolen tunic and trousers of green cloth, and a jaunty cap of the same material sat atop his head. A pair of leathery wings sprouted from his back, though they were presently folded. From his bemused grin there poked out a single snaggly fang. "'What's your business here? Get off that carriage at once!' shouted Negwin, hand on the hilt of her sword. "'Calm down, calm down,' rasped the little rapscallion. "'I'm only trying to give my feet a little break on this lonely stretch of road.' Alyssa had popped her head out of the window of the coach and looked up at the strange man warily. He tipped his little cap and gave her a nod. Good day, my lady. You know, it's a little rude to sneak a ride like this. You might have just asked, said Alyssa, matter-of-factly. But what if you had said no? Just look at these wee legs. It takes me forever to get anywhere. But you've got wings, interjected Netcher, unsympathetically. Ah, these? They're just for show, barely of any use. On a good day, I can only get a few moments of hovering out of them, he said despondently. Perhaps it was a suddenness with which the strange face-elf had appeared that robbed his words of credence, but more likely, it was a sly grin that lay plastered on his face. Gwarth had had enough of the little know-it-all and slowed his horse so he was parallel with the tiny antagonist. All right, time to go he ordered, a twinge of annoyance creeping into his voice. This is the queen's coach, and we don't abide any hangers-on. The man's eyebrows raised in surprise, and he looked from Gwarth down to lock eyes with Alyssa, who was still propped out of the window. The face-sylph's expression seemed to be seeking some kind of confirmation, so Alyssa offered it. This is my carriage, so that makes me the queen, and I'd like you to get off now, please. The strange fellow's face took on an apologetic air, though the authenticity of his sentiment was highly suspect. Uh, Never would I have behaved in this matter had I known I was intruding on the royal caravan. He stood and dusted off tiny legs, and then his small leathery wings began to beat. I'll take my leave of your fine vehicle. With that, he lifted off and took to the air. Gwarth nodded, satisfied, and in a moment the little sprite had buzzed off into the woods, disappearing within its brambly growth. Good, said Alyssa, and returned to the comfort of the coach. They traveled on for an hour or so more, once again settling into the misty silence of the open road. Though it was early afternoon now, the light fog had not yet dispersed. The air was neither cool nor warm, and the landscape had changed little all that day. High trees and green vegetation rose on both sides of them, and the way forward was singular and choiceless. Netcher had produced a small pipe and puffed on it occasionally, aromatic smoke rising to blend and disappear into the light haze. Durkee slumbered, his map now having assumed the role of a blanket. Alyssa had set aside her letters and gazed out into the wilderness that slowly passed them by. It was so green here, she mused, transfixed by the myriad of trees, ground cover, and leafy vegetation that sprawled out before her. What do these forests care for our worldly concerns, she asked herself. The life of this land is independent and free. It needs no one. 
we are but a passing thought in its long and silent life. A voice broke through the quiet with all the subtlety of someone tossing a suit of armor down a flight of stairs. How much longer do you reckon until we arrive? Gwarth whirled around in his saddle to find the little pixie seated on the rump of his horse. The steed seemed to pay the intruder little mind, but Gwarth had turned the color of freshly squeezed beet juice. Be gone, you bothersome little flea, he cried as he swung a fist wide, hoping to land a blow. The face elf tumbled forward off the horse's rear, avoiding the impact, and caught himself midair on his rapidly flittering wings. You know, you shouldn't make light of my size, he said, hurt. There isn't anything I can do about my petite stature. Gwarth shook his head crossly, ignoring the commentary, his eyes now forward. I'll have you know that many alas favor lads on the wee side, such as myself. We tend to be very non-threatening. <laughs> Gentlemanly, in fact. Not that you would know a thing about that. Gwarth was about to draw his sword and shout some ill-spirited curse at the little man when Alyssa, who had once more emerged from the window of the carriage, interjected. All right. You can ride on the top of the carriage, under one condition. You must tell us a secret. The sly fellow was surprised at this and considered the offer for a moment. For the first time, his clever facade seemed to fall away as he weighed the value of such a trade. "'Here's my counter-offer,' said he. "'I will tell you, and you alone, a secret, but no one else. A Sprogan's secrets are far too valuable to be blabbered around to any old rabble.' He eyed Gwarth as he spoke those last words, rolling his eyes. "'Very well.' You may ride with us until we reach Stark's bow, and there we shall part ways. The Sprogan nodded, mollified, and flitted through the air to alight on the caravan's wooden roof. Gwarth shook his head, dismissing the small fellow from his thoughts, and rode on ahead. Netcher turned slowly to look over his shoulder at their new traveling companion, and then turned back, his face belying no emotion. On the day went, the little Sprogan reclining there on the caravan. The clouds overhead eventually dispersed, and a golden afternoon sun cast down, burning away the remaining fog and warming the travelers. The Sprogan looked pleased as can be, resting there on the royal caravan. Occasionally he spoke aloud, providing commentary to no one in particular. Y you see that elm tree there? There's a real nasty squirrel who lives there. Downright rude he is. And later, Ah, up ahead is the place that old witch tried to blast me. She missed, and turned a poor goat to stone, see? Indeed, by the roadside there stood a rock that looked uncannily like a goat, its features frozen in a mask of wide-eyed shock. Durkee had woken up from his nap, and gazing out the window, muttered in honest agreement. It really does look quite like a goat, poor creature. The Sprogan continued to chatter away like this all afternoon. While at first this had annoyed Alyssa's company, they eventually discovered that they were enjoying the strange little tour they were receiving. Soon they came to a small wooden bridge, sturdy and spanning a quick-moving stream. My friend Fishguts lives in this stream. He's a very nice fellow. Great sense of humor. They stopped, and Negwin untethered the horses from the carriage, and then led them to the little waterway. The Sprogan hopped from the roof and drifted down on his membranous wings, catching up with Negwin. I want to see if Fishguts is around. Maybe he'll tell us a joke. Hey, Fishguts, you're around? You old scaly scallywag? 
For his size, the Sprogan's voice carried a good way, startling the horses slightly. They settled and began to drink deep the clear waters of the little stream. Meanwhile, the curious imp looked over the other side of the bridge. Ah, th there he is. Hi, fish guts. How are you keeping up? Negwin peered over the side of the bridge and then looked up to meet the interested gazes of her companions. Yep, looks like fish guts is home, she said, and let out a short laugh at the oddness of the situation. Ah, he's going to tell a joke. Everyone quiet. An audible burbling echoed out from under the bridge, and the sprogan strained forward, expectant, hungry for the punchline. There was a long pause, and then a short series of burbles rippled up once more. The little face-elf slapped his knee and went into a fit of laughter that left him breathless. <laughs> oh, that's a good one! That is, fish guts, he said, wiping a tear from his eye. Elissa and her companions were stone-faced, having understood not a bubble of the fish's jape save for Netcher, who was doubled over, trying to suppress a bout of snickers that had overtaken him. "'I didn't know you spoke fish, Netcher!' exclaimed Durkey, surprised. Ne "'Neither did I!' replied Netcher, through breathless laughs. The Sprogan said his goodbyes to Fish Guts, and they were soon underway. The rest of the afternoon was spent in good spirits, with more facts, events, and landmarks being highlighted along the way. Netcher even shared a handful of butter seeds with the Faisilf, who accepted the snack gladly. By the time they had reached the outskirts of Starksbow, last traces of the afternoon's illumination were drifting from the sky. The little town was a squat lump of houses and towers on the horizon. Behind them loomed the vast bulk of heavily forested land they had just traversed. "'Here is where I shall bid you farewell, my friends,' spoke the little man, a bit solemn in his tone. It has been my pleasure to travel in the presence of the queen of all the green country and her entourage. He floated down from the top of the carriage with a few lazy flaps of his wings and came to sit on the edge of the window. And now to keep up my end of the bargain. Alyssa nodded and drew close to the Sprogan, who cupped a hand over his mouth and began to whisper in her ear. Her brow scrunched for a moment as she listened and then her eyes grew moon-wide in amazement. The face-elf nodded, as if to affirm that which he had just spoken, and then took to the air. "'I wish you all merry travels on your way. Good night to you all, and may your tour be blessed, my queen.' And with that he flitted off, heading back towards the wood. Back in the confines of the coach, Durkey could no longer contain his curiosity. "'Well, what did he tell you, Elissa?' "'His name.' was all she could say, still dumbstruck. Uh, did you know him? That was Wylo, the Faisilf bandit king, replied Alyssa flatly. Oh, surely the little rogue was spinning tales. Wylo was a legend in this part of the green country, known for his daring feats and brash, single-handed ambushes. Alyssa turned to look at Durkey and spoke very calmly. He could tell by her voice she was doing her best to restrain a tidal wave of anger. Then how could he have known the contents of the chest that was robbed from the envoy I sent to Lyoma just last year on this very road? You remember, a gift of silver pieces bound for Princess Shinelake that never arrived? Durkey nodded grimly, remembering quite well. It had been a large sum of coin, and the queen had not been pleased.
That little scoundrel was kind enough to remind me of just how many silver pieces we lost, down to the last coin. Durkee shook his head amazed. Their conversation was interrupted by a barrage of angry cursing outside the carriage. It seemed Gwarth was upset over something. Durkee poked his head out of the window and got Negwin's attention. "'What's got Gwarth in such a stir?' he asked. "'Seems his coin purse has gone missing.' He's convinced our little friend made off with it. Durkee nodded, his lips pursed, and decided it was best to keep the Sprogan's secret to himself. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening!